here we are at the new year, and it's going to be sometime next week before we can figure out what day of the week it is, right? That's, that happens during the holidays when you're like, wait, now is this Tuesday or is this Wednesday? And it's going to take us a little while. Uh, if you're a check writer like I am, still doing it the old school, old fashioned way, uh, you know, it's going to take us a while before we learn to put 23 instead of 22. You might have to scribble out a few times. But uh, here we are in the new year. But we're reminded in this place, this especially this place, because we gather in a place that is almost 100 years old, a building that's almost 100 years old. And we read from texts that are uh, at least 1,900 plus years old. We're gathered that some things don't need to change, right church? That it is a new year, but it is the same gospel. I used the term in my title, New Year Old Gospel, and then I thought, well, sometimes old has a negative connotation. Sometimes old means it's worn out, it is no longer useful. But no, sometimes we use that phrase old school, right? To say, well, that's somebody who does things an old way, but a tried and true way. And we're reminded in the book of Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right, church? And for all the changing that goes on in our world, there are some things that can bring us comfort. And so we come here, and just this morning, for example, the songs that Steve was led to select for us, we sang some stuff that was a little newer, And then just before I came up here, we sang Victory in Jesus. Now, how old school does it get right there? But we're reminded, no matter how old that hymn is, that those words still ring true. That because of Jesus Christ, we gained the victory. And so, uh, looking this morning at being reminded about what is important. And so, when we talk about the gospel, we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're reminded of just what the gospel is. Paul writing to those folks folks in Corinth, and of course writing to us today, beginning with verse 1 in 1 Corinthians 15. Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas. And then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And so Paul, reminding us right there that, hey, 
You remember the gospel as it's been preached to you. You know what's going on here. You remember that Jesus died for our sins. That he, it's that almost kind of a church word, that he atoned for our sins. Right? And that just simply means that he paid the price. He paid the price for our sins. And so then the news gets better though because that's what gospel means, right church? We learned that when we were little, most of us. The gospel simply means good news. And so what is so good about this news? Well, that our sins have been atoned for. Someone else, Jesus Christ, paid the price for our sins. But then it gets better because then Paul says, but then he, after being put in that grave, put in that tomb, that he rose on the third day. He conquered death. And their church is the victory in Jesus, right? There is the victory. And so Paul is saying, hey, you've already won. If you just hold to this, if you just confess Him. He, he lays it out very clearly, very plainly, and shows us how easy it is. That this is not some complicated process. It's if you take this message to heart, if you believe, and if you hold on to it, that's the part we're going to get to in a little bit. It's the holding on to it. Then you have gained the victory. That this for us, that believe it, truly is good news. And so we look then ahead to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians 1 beginning with verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Now, normally, if you're reading one of Paul's letters... You know, you're reading something and it's going gonna, it's gonna to begin with all kinds of nice fluffy things. 
Like, I'll flip over to Ephesians, for example. You don't have to join me there, but just as an example. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms uh, with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us and him before the creation of the world. And he goes on and on and on, and then he says all these nice things. And over in verse 15 of Ephesians 1, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love of all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And that's the way most of Paul's letters start, or at least there's something there in chapter 1 that says, oh, I think about you, and man, I long to see you again. I thank God for your faith. It's like, you know, if you know, then he gets on to the instruction, if I'm going to talk to Steve Selby, Say, hey, Steve, how's it going? Is it good? good. Steve says it's good, y'all. Steve, man, I really appreciate your heart, brother. I appreciate the way that you go about picking out songs to lead us in. I love to hear you pray. I love it when I ride with you somewhere that, man, I feel so safe. <laughs> Why are y'all laughing? It's true. I feel so safe with you that I, I can I can fall asleep comfortably. <laughs> he said, "Yes, you do." <laughs> I, I don't I don't fall asleep comfortably with everyone that I ride with. But yeah, I I, I, I could if, if I go and I could say I could say nice things, right? And I could do that for so many of y'all. I, I could go and I could say, "Hey, this this is what I like about you." You know, I, I, I love this about you. I appreciate this about you. And that's the way Paul would do in most of his letters. Ooh, not to Galatia, right? No. He opens this and says, I can't believe y'all. I cannot believe how stinking easy it was for some of you all to have abandoned the gospel. I showed up there and I hung out with y'all for a while. And if you know Paul's story, he didn't ask for compensation. He, he made tents and sold those tents as a way to pay his own way. And he would teach in a local synagogue if there was one. And, uh, and, and he, would, he would make inroads. He would meet people. He would be a part of the community. He would immerse himself in that city or in that place. And sometimes spending as much as about 18 to 24 months or so with those folks. And so when he writes back to them later, you know, he can see their faces in his head. In his mind's eye, he knows who is gathered around as they're reading that scroll to the house church that's gathered there. And so Paul is saying to these folks, I cannot believe you. I preach to you. You know the truth. You know the good news. But evidently you didn't think it was good enough because you've abandoned it. At least some of you have. And you've let people come in there and tell you things that are just not true. We're going to get to more of that in Galatians 6 and as, a, as an example. But yeah, people come along and they say, Oh, Jesus is great. 
But you need something else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jesus. I've heard about him. Yeah, what a, what a great guy. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, cool. But now, Jesus is not enough. You all know that, right? You need something else. And some of you have heard me use the term in the past that there is Christ only and there is Christ and. And if anyone wants to talk to you about you need Christ and, doesn't matter what comes after the and. Once you hear and, you know that they're not speaking the truth. Right, church? Yeah. Because it's not Christ and. It's Christ alone. Right, church? And we are in Christ alone. And so whenever there is this idea that Jesus isn't enough, then we have to remember, no, Jesus is enough. Because He was perfect. He was sinless. He was blameless. And like a lamb led to slaughter, he chose to lay down his life. He did not open his mouth in defense of his own innocence when he shed his blood on the cross. And so we think about the gospel according to. There are lots of things that our society can fill in that blank with. You know, there are people who will preach a gospel that gives us the idea that God exists to bless us and to serve us. And that is simply not true. God is not made in our image, is He, church? We are made in His image. And so, God made us and gave us care care over His creation. We are caretakers of the planet. And we are to be an extension of His work. We talk about, we use that phrase sometimes, and it's a phrase that's been around, I don't know, I've been hearing it for 20 plus years now. But the hands and feet of Jesus. And it simply means or refers to that Jesus is not physically present. So then it is up to us to be those hands and those feet. It is up to us to physically serve others in the name of Jesus. And so we are called upon to love and to serve in the name of Christ. It's not that God said, okay, I'm going to create folks in my image and if they'll just sit back and trust me, I'm just going to bless them. I'm just going to bless them to no end and oh, it's going to be great. And that's just not the way it works. More on that a little bit later. But there's this quote from Charles Spurgeon a British uh, preacher who preached I think about a hundred years ago but uh, let this be to you 
the mark of true gospel preaching, where Christ is everything and the creature is nothing. Where it is salvation, all of grace, through the work of the Holy Spirit, applying to the soul the precious blood of Jesus. Now, some of that may sound a little funny. Okay, two things. He's British, and, and it was a hundred years ago or so. So, but I love what he says, where Christ is everything and the creature is nothing. And that echoes what Bill has already reminded us of this morning from Scripture. That he is to be more, we are to be less. Right, church? And he says, where it is salvation, all of grace. And that's, that syntax is a little goofy for us, but what, what Spurgeon is saying there is that it's salvation that comes by God's grace, not by anything that we can work or accomplish. And so then he says, through the work of the Holy Spirit, and I love this last line, applying to the soul the precious blood of Jesus. As if that blood of Jesus is an ointment, a salve, the medication that our soul needs, right church? Applying the blood of Jesus to our soul. It's like here, you're lost in your own sin. But here, Jesus says, I love you. I died for you. And so here, take some of my shed blood and let me put it right there on your soul. And there it is. That's exactly what you need. And you don't need anything else. Now church, I'm not going to stand here and say that if we are in Christ, it's easy all of a sudden. Some of you have heard me say this several times over the last 10 years. And I'm going to keep saying it because it's always going to be true. That there will be trouble. Jesus told us so, right? John 16. In this world you will have trouble. But then what's the next part of that? He says, take heart because I have overcome the world. In other words, he's saying, I have overcome anything that you're going to go through on this side of glory. It's going to be okay. It won't be painless. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be guilt. There's going to be shame. There's going to be... There's just going to be times when you just feel like the world has kicked you in the teeth over and over and over again. And if you think about what Jesus went through for us, He knows what it's like to be beaten and spat upon and mocked. And yes tortured for our sake. And he's saying, I did it all. And he's saying, you're worth it. Every single one of you are worth it. And so he's saying, here is the salve that you need. In Galatians 6, as we work toward a close of our time together today,
Sorry. I was about to read from Ephesians 6. That would not have gone well. Galatians 6, beginning with verse 11. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision nor yeah, I'm sorry. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. And so circumcision being that ancient covenant that God entered into with Abraham and subsequently with the Jewish people. And it was a sign for males to be obedient. And so it was decided in New Testament Christianity that that's no longer necessary. That that is not a test of someone's faith or obedience. And so you had this thing going on in the early, some of the early churches where some people still holding on to that Jewish tradition and still insisting that others participate in that. And Paul is calling them out. He's saying, you know, some of those people who boast about being circumcised really aren't that faithful. And so what he's ultimately saying here is religion just for show is nothing in the eyes of God. That religion just for show is not what is going to save you. That it is going to be, it is going to be faith that saves you. It is going to be giving your heart to God. It is going to be surrendering your life and saying, God, I, don't, I can't do it on my own. It's got to be you. Right? Let me be less. Let Him be more. And so, yes... We're going to have trouble and we're going to have challenges. Rick Warren, who preaches out in California, uh, says this, Since God intends to make you like Jesus, He will take you through the same experiences Jesus went through. That includes loneliness, temptation, stress, criticism, rejection, and many other problems. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you look at that list, it's not an exhaustive list. He acknowledges and many other problems. But how many of those things can we say, yeah, I've experienced that? I've experienced loneliness, temptation, stress, criticism, rejection. And in, in other words, and many other problems just means to say, and the list can go on and on and on. The things that we experience. Here's where we have to be careful, church. And this is our maybe our warning in the, in the new year. 
is that in those moments that we're experiencing that stress, that loneliness, that rejection, that temptation, whatever it is, that we don't abandon the gospel. And you might be sitting here and saying, well, no, I've never consciously abandoned the gospel. But church, isn't that what we're doing when we sin? Isn't that what we're doing when we seek something else to fulfill us? Because in those moments we're saying, Jesus, that salve that you gave us, that salve for my soul, your shed blood, uh, it's not doing it for me right now. So I need blank. Just like that slide that said the gospel according to blank. See, we choose how we fill in that blank. How we want to be fulfilled. And so that blank can be filled in in lots of different ways. But it typically comes back to some form of sin. It's been said that all sin can be traced back to three things, money, sex, or power. And so... I, I do see, yeah, I've seen, I've seen a little on the power end. I've seen a whole lot on the money and the sex end of that. In walking alongside people who want to be faithful children of God. And so church, in those times when we're looking for fulfillment... Let's remember the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And let's not look for fulfillment in other ways. Let's not look at our lives and then look at other people's lives and see that the grass is greener somewhere else. Because that's an illusion. When you get to that grass you see that it's no greener than the grass you just left. That your life, your family, your marriage, as imperfect as it might be, can still be a blessing if you choose to make it one. Can still be something beautiful if you will choose to view it through the correct lens. Church family, Let's not be people who abandon the gospel. Let's be people who embrace the good news that Jesus shed his blood for us. We close with a quote from none other than Jesus himself in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're here this morning and you have not yet declared that you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, then we give you that opportunity here on the first day of a new year. What better time to change the trajectory of your life for all of eternity?
And if you're with us this morning and you've got something weighing on you, then we invite you to come and let the prayers of this body wash over you and give you a peace that Scripture tells us surpasses all understanding. Let's stand together and sing. I come, bro.